I wanted gold, I wanted an education, and I wanted to become something. And then when I realized that God is more important and He provides everything else, I realized that my purpose in life was to know Him and then relay Him to others. Welcome, everyone, to First Person, a weekly conversation with a guest who shares their story of God at work. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and this week you'll meet Wally Kulikoff of Russian Ministries. Wally's personal story of how God has directed his life is one you won't forget, and we'll start telling it in just a moment. First Person is here every week at this time on radio and available 24-7 online as well at firstpersoninterview.com. If, after listening today, you want to pass along what you've heard to someone else, just point them to our webpage, firstpersoninterview.com. Not only can you listen to the interviews, but there's also a schedule of upcoming programs and additional information about today's guest. Once again, firstpersoninterview.com. Well, Wally Kulikov is the Vice President of Ministries at Russian Ministries in Wheaton, Illinois. Founded by Peter and Anita Dynica, Russian Ministries serves the church in the various countries of the former Soviet Union. But Wally's testimony starts long before he joined the staff of Russian Ministries, and he joined me in the studio recently to talk about it. Wayne, uh, my story is uh, something that I could have never written. It is a God-given gift to me uh, because... uh, Uh, I can see now, looking back at God's grace, His mercy, His leadership in my life, um, maybe I should probably begin with saying that uh, it was my grandmother who received or who heard the New Testament read uh, by a Russian soldier. Uh, My grandmother couldn't read or write, and she treasured all that the soldier read to her in her heart. Why was he reading it to her? Uh, The soldier came to a village to visit his relatives, and uh, he brought a New Testament back, and she saw the New Testament in his hand, and she said, uh, no one has read to us in our village for a long time. Could you read to us? She said, I'll provide the candles, come to our house. She gathered all her neighbors, and he came to the house, and he began with the Gospel of Matthew. And the village folks have never heard of the Gospel of Matthew or Mark, Luke, and John and the New Testament. And so he completed the New Testament, and she said, this is so fascinating. She's intrigued. She said, I've got more candles. I want you to begin reading again. (laughs) And during the second time of reading the Gospel of John, uh, this was chapter 19, as my grandmother says, she realized why Jesus died why he came to earth, why he had to suffer. And there, in the quietness of that room, during the reading of the New Testament, she not only believed in Jesus Christ, but she submitted her life and her heart to Christ, and she treasured everything that he read in her heart. God's Word never returns void. That's right. That's right. He was a Russian soldier, but what country was she in? Uh, She was in Russia. Okay. I have to ask this because your story, as as we're going to find out, takes you all (laughs) over the world. So I had had to use that as a starting point in Russia. And that set the course for your family then. Yes, it did. Your grandmother. Yes, it did. Her faith. Yes. She became a believer in God. She, uh, in her heart, knew who he was, what he did for her, and uh, she began to live a life uh, that was pleasing to God. At that time, uh, her husband disappeared or he was taken by the Russian army and she was uh, exiled then to Central Asia. Because of her faith? Because of her faith. And uh, there were probably other 
ramifications to it, but uh, she lost her husband. She came to Central Asia with four children, and uh, by that time, the revolution had taken place. Uh, communism was in full swing, and in 1929, my grandmother walked across uh, the border into a free country, which was China, in 1929. And my father and his um, two brothers and sister, they grew up in China. And um, then my dad married in China, married another Russian lady. Well, they had children. And I was the fourth child in uh, the family. I just got a chill up and down my spine thinking about your grandmother and her faith and the steps that she took to protect her family. She, you said she literally walked across the border? She walked across the border. And uh, she um, delivered to her children the stories she heard. She never had a Bible. She couldn't read or write. And my father did not go to school in China. And so he also listened to the stories that his mother shared with him. And he ch cherished the stories in his heart. He didn't go to school? Well, there was no Russian school. There was, and Chinese was not uh, the language of their choice. And uh, they spoke the Uyghur or the Uyghur language, as mm -hmm. the Americans would say. Yeah. And so my mom and dad uh, speak or spoke the Uyghur language of northwestern part of China. And dad treasured all the stories he heard from his mother. And then he began to pass on these stories to his children. Hmm. When did your mother come into the picture then? Uh, my mother was about 17 years old when they got married. And, uh, now, is she Russian or Chinese? Uh, she is Russian. Okay. Uh, my mother is very similar. They were exiled to Siberia, from Siberia to Central Asia. And then my mother's parents walked across, or again, the same thing. She lost her dad, and her mom walked across the border into China, which was a free country, settled in the Russian village. And uh, that's where my mom and dad met in the Russian village in China. And they married, had children, and lived in China for 30 years. <laughs> now, were you pulling my leg? We, we know you as Wally. You said your Chinese name is Wally. Are you, is that a joke or what? <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke, <laughs> okay, Wayne. That's right. a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but you were born where? Uh, in Xinjiang, Xinjiang, China. That's um, the province that borders with uh, Kazakhstan or the former Soviet Union. It's beyond Tibet, beyond the Gobi Desert. Uh, that's northwestern China. And um, in the city of Inning, as they call it today, or there's other smaller towns uh, where Russian villages uh, were established, like Kulja and so forth. You grew up in a Christian home then. Uh, in a Christian home to the degree that uh, it was um, oral tradition. Okay. Uh, theological training was not available. Uh, churches were not available. House meetings were available, and people gathered in the home, and um, there were people who um, knew the stories from the Bible, and so they preached uh, how they could. And maybe there was a copy of scriptures available to the village or to the town. Mm-hmm. Your family eventually left China, though? Uh, yes. In 1955, uh, when the Russians came across the border uh, to China, um, they found Russian villages, and they said these Russians belong to Russia and not oh, to the Chinese. Oh, I see. And so they wanted to repatriate them back to Russia, and so my parents uh, began their journey to Shanghai. Hmm. 
And they came to Shanghai in 1955, late 55, 1959. They were expelled from from uh, Shanghai to Hong Kong, and that's where uh, the Russian people then acquired uh, Bibles and New Testaments and. Uh, and Hong Kong had missionaries working with the Russians, teaching them English, and that's where they realized that the stories they heard through oral tradition were true. So your family was in exile. That's right. And how old are you when all this is going on? What year were you born, Wally? Uh, 1952. Okay. And uh, 1955, my parents um, escaped that part of the world and Across China to Shanghai to the port. Do you have any memory of that? Uh, uh, the memories I have is of Shanghai, a place where we lived, uh, the the gatherings that uh, we had in the house and in other people's homes, the songs we sang and things like that. And I knew we were different to the outside world uh, because um, there was – a fellowship, a relationship. There was a uh, a regular meeting place. There was prayers. There was praise. People came together to sing. People came together to read a book. People came together to pray. And to this day, I remember when people come together, if they don't sing and if they don't pray and if they don't read from the book, they're, they're not doing it something's the right missing, way. Yeah. Yeah, something's wrong. <laughs> Isn't that remarkable? All right. So pick it up then. You go from Shanghai to Hong Kong on this journey for your family. Pick up the story there. Um, In Hong Kong, um, I think the faith of our parents was was strengthened. And uh, in Hong Kong, uh, the Russian refugees had the chance to move either to Canada, New Zealand, or Australia, three countries that were accepting Caucasian refugees. And my parents applied to Canada and Australia, and Australia processed the papers first. And so... um, they moved to Australia, and when they came to Australia, to Sydney, Australia, um, my dad was a farmer all his life, and he just uh, couldn't stay in the city, and so we moved to a farm, and we were share farmers, uh, who was a Methodist man, uh, and it was wonderful because there, in that small place called Yawan, between Gladstone and Rockhampton of Australia, in the state of Queensland, there was an evangelical church a small Methodist chapel that had a service once a month by an itinerant preacher. Sounds wonderful, and it sounds difficult all at the same time. Uh, It was difficult because my parents did not uh, speak English, and so once a month my dad would take all of his children, seven children, bring them to this little chapel, and the little chapel would practically be full as the itinerant minister would come and share uh, from the Word of God. And then again, I realized here is a place where we came together with others and we prayed, we sang, and the Word of God was read to us. You have clear memories of that. Yes, I do. We're not done telling the story of Wally Kulikoff today on First Person, so stay tuned. Part two is coming up. Next week, we're going to invite Wally back to talk about ministry today in the countries of the former Soviet Union. There's a new generation of Russian believers, young people, who want to live for Christ in an ever-increasing hostile environment and culture. Training these new leaders is being done through School Without Walls. You'll learn how it's being done, what the challenges are, and how you can pray effectively for the church in Russia. That's next time when you join us for part two of our conversation with Wally Kulikov here on First Person. 
My guest on First Person today is Wally Kulikov, and Wally is Vice President of Ministries at Russian Ministries. Full disclosure, I serve on the board of Russian Ministries and have a heart for this organization. And next week, we're going to do something different, Wally. I'm going to invite you back on First Person next week, and we're going to talk about ministry in Russia today, which is pretty exciting, actually, even as the country is still in turmoil politically. There's a lot going on in the church. That is true, Wayne. I think we have some opportunities today that are unprecedented. We'll talk about that next week when okay. listeners join us for the second part of this conversation. But you got to pick up your story. Your family began in Russia. Your grandmother, with her children, walked across the border into China uh, in exile. Correct. Uh, you eventually moved to Shanghai and Hong Kong and then Australia, of all places. So we can detect that Australian uh, accent in your voice now. So you, you spent some pretty formative years there, didn't you? Uh, yes. My formative years were in Australia. I think the most difficult uh, uh, time was uh, the first day at school. I went to grade one and I was – I remember the first day at school, uh, the teacher taught me to count to five. And then by the end of the day, I could count to ten. And then she asked me to count backwards and I couldn't. Oh. And I remember crying oh. because I couldn't, I couldn't count backwards. I could count forward, but not backwards. And so the frustration and learning a new language, but God uh, helped us and helped my parents and all the children. And so uh, today I am grateful to English speaking countries, whether it be, uh, you know, Canada, USA, Australia, New Zealand, the English speaking people had a God-fearing sense, and they had a base, and they had an understanding of uh, Judeo-Christian principles, and that's what my parents wanted, I think. And they wanted their children to grow up in a country where they could make a choice, living for God or choosing the world. You have such a legacy of faith in your family, Wally, but it had to become personal at some point for you. It did become personal because... uh, uh, the three Sundays uh, that we didn't go to the the Wesleyan or the Methodist chapel, we had services at home. And uh, my father would gather his children, and my father would open the book, but instead of reading the book, he would tell us the story. He would tell us the story in his own words, and uh, I would listen. And I love the stories my dad would tell us. Uh, every evening he had a story to tell us, and then he would pray with us, and we'd go to bed. And so I couldn't wait for the next evening where we would sit around the bed of my parents and dad would open the book. He wouldn't read it, but he'd tell us the story. And I knew that uh, this book contains stories that could touch people's hearts. I can almost hear his voice. I never heard his voice, but I can almost imagine what that sounds like right now. And, you know, at first I thought to myself, where does dad get his stories? And then I knew he had a book. And the book contains stories and history and stories of people And it was one night that I realized that uh, my life uh, was a gift from God and uh, I was gifted to mom and dad and my mom and dad had a deep faith in God. They loved him. They prayed to him. He answered their prayers. One evening I told mom and dad that I would like Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life because there were issues or there were temptations, there were feelings. And I said, Dad, how do I overcome these temptations and feelings? He said, you have to submit your life to Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells and he gives you victory if you rely on God. And so it was uh, with my parents that I made a decision to commit my life to Jesus Christ. That's a great story. 
Did you have a vision at that point for how you would spend your life, or did you intend to be an Australian farmer? Like uh, a very interesting question. You know, at that point in my life, um, my dad and mom bought a shortwave radio. Every evening, my mom and dad, or during the morning session, depending when it was, they would listen to Christian radio. And it was shortwave radio programs. I remember very clearly they used to listen to the Philippines. It was the Far East Broadcasting Company in the Russian language. And then they used to listen to the voice of the Andes from HCJB in Quito, Ecuador. And so my mom and dad, not having a church to go to, they had fellowship and they listened to shortwave Christian radio, but in the Russian language from radio stations that were beaming then into the former Soviet Union. You're going to bring me to tears here today because you know I work with Far East Broadcasting and you later work for HCJB. That's correct. That's incredible. And so um, I realized that uh, not only my parents were listening to these radio programs, but there are so many other Russian-speaking people. And then I realized there was a country that was uh, a communist country, an atheistic country, a country that did not believe in God. And um, I was 19 years old, and Peter Dynecker Sr. Peter Dynamite. Yes, Peter Dynamite came to Australia with a person from HCJB in Quito, Ecuador, Jack Shalenko, his son-in-law. And uh, they gathered young people. There were five churches that came together, and the young people came together. And it was that night that uh, Peter Dynamic Sr. challenged young people not to forget their heritage. One day, he said, God could use you and your language to speak to the people of your heritage and bring the gospel to them. Did you feel connected to Russia at that point? No, 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 no. I did not feel I was Russian. So it was kind of a Macedonian call in a sense for you. Um, I think so, because I did not read or write Russian. I had only the spoken kitchen language, uh, the Russian language. And so I realized that if I was to commit my life in reaching the Russian-speaking people who are communist, who are godless, who have denied him, who want to dethrone God— I have to learn the language, and that's when I learned that uh, there was a Russian Bible Institute training young people and teaching them the Russian language. In Australia? No, it wasn't. Where was it? It was in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Oh, no, no, don't do, this. <laughs> don't do this to me. Now you're switching continents again. Exactly. Uh, Uruguay, Paraguay, and Argentina had over 3 million Slavic, Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian people resettled there um, during the First World War and so forth because Latin America was uh, giving free land. And so they came there, and at that time, Peter Dynecker Sr. was moved to establish a Russian Bible Institute in Buenos Aires. When I heard about this Bible Institute, I told my mom and dad, and they were— they were sad. Oh. And uh, I told mom and dad that I think I have to do this. And so. How old were you? 20 years old, and I turned 21 the first year at Bible school. And uh, I left home and went to the only Russian Bible Institute in the world, which was run by um, Peter Dynica Sr. in Buenos Aires, Argentina, sponsored by People's Church in Toronto. It was yes. quite interesting. 
Pastor Smith, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oswald and, Smith. That's right. Oswald Smith, uh, and uh, I was one of the students they sponsored. And uh, took three years. I graduated uh, from the Russian Bible Institute, and then did you meet Natasha there? Yes, I did. Natasha also came, uh, and Natasha's story is very similar. She was also born in China of uh, refugees from Russia into China, and then her parents were also expelled out of China to Hong Kong, and uh, they settled in Australia. But she grew up in Melbourne. Australia, and I grew up in later eventually Sydney, Australia, but we met at the Russian Bible School in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, This is just a thrilling story to me, and I know to listeners as well, Wally. Uh, God is using you today, and he's You've got a lot of years left for ministry, Lord willing. Uh, just bring me up to date. What What's going on? I know you worked for FEBC and later HCJB right. and the Bible League. We're skipping so much here, but just yes. talk about ministry today. Um, God uses mysterious ways in preparing individuals for their future ministry. Uh, every incident or every setback or every change in life is today, uh, I realize, is a process where God molds us and makes us for the next ministry. It was with Far East Broadcasting Company. We we uh, prepared programs to the Far East and Central Asia. Then we were with HCJB in Quito, Ecuador. Uh, that was to Cuba, from Israel, Europe, to the Ural Mountains of the European part of Russia. And then, uh, then the Bible League in providing the scriptures right at the time when the opportunity was ripe. And now when most of the organizations who have been expelled from Russia or their visas have not been renewed, God has allowed Russian ministries to continue with a national organization in that part of the world uh, to be involved in not only training, but providing ministry tools for people who can accomplish the task. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to do something I've not done before. I'm going to ask you to come back next week on First Person. So you'll be the first First Person repeat uh, two weeks in a row, Wally. And we'll talk about ministry in Russia today. But you must be one very grateful man for how God has prepared and led you all these years. Yeah, Wayne, I think I should share the verse that uh, molded me and gave me a purpose in my life. It was Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. And let not the rich man glory in his riches. But he that glories, let him glory in this that he understands me and knows me, that I am the Lord who delights to do justice and righteousness on this earth. There were three things that I wanted when I came to Australia. I wanted gold, I wanted an education, and I wanted to become something. And then when I realized that God is more important and he provides everything else, I realized that my purpose in life was to know him, to understand him, and then relay him to others. Our guest today on First Person has been Wally Kulikoff. We'll talk with him again next week. In the meantime, if you'd like more information about today's guest and the things we've talked about, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Follow the links provided and be sure to look for other interviews in the archive that you'll find interesting. Look us up online at firstpersoninterview.com. We're also found at facebook.com forward slash firstpersoninterview. Now, if you prefer to have First Person delivered to your computer automatically as a podcast, just subscribe to us via iTunes and you'll have each week's program downloaded to your computer and or MP3 player. Next week, in part two of our conversation, we'll learn about what God is doing today in the former Soviet Union 
as believers there live for Christ. I hope you'll join us for that conversation. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.